from in the beginning to the musical apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What? I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Maximizing the story. According to Christian mythology, we are all trapped within the story their deity thought up and forced upon us all. For what purpose? Colossians 1.16, all things have been created through him and for him. Isaiah 43.21, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. It's all about him for him. Everything was made to glorify the loving Christian deity, even death. He set up an entire system in which he receives glory through sickness and death, John 9.3 and 11.4. Viruses and genocides glorify the Christian deity. These are some of the methods he chose to tell the maximal story. Yahweh wrote the narrative and painted the canvas for his own personal gain. Why would anyone want to worship such a sadistic storyteller? Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? <laughs> okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is Christian video podcaster and businessman, Rick Walker. Welcome to the show, Rick. Michael, great to be here with you. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for coming on. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, so I'm, I'm a business owner and investor based out of Houston, and I've been running these businesses or a predecessor for the business for about 25 years. Uh, I spent most of my 20s growing the businesses, most of my 30s doing nonprofit work. And now that I'm in my 40s, we're uh, just trying to hold down the family fort. <laughs> That's how it works, man. <laughs> right. So uh, about right. this video podcasting, how does that work? What do you got? What do you do there? So I've got a thesis. And the huh. thesis is, if we want to become world-class leaders, we not huh. only need to understand business and economics and, and strategy, but we also need to understand where people come from. And huh. so we need to have a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of world religion, a little bit of the arts and literature intertwined in there if we're to understand where people come from. And hmm. again, the context area is world-class leadership. So you have to know how people in Asia or Europe think about certain topics. And, and you have to understand at least some of those some of those other subjects and other, other domains. Gotcha. So would you call yourself a Christian? I'm not a very good Christian, but I would call myself a Christian. <laughs> yes, yes. Why would yes. you call yourself not a very good Christian? Well, I, I think I think the, the nature of Christianity is aspirational, right? You've got a, you've got a really high target up there. And it's it's directionally huh. focused, not not hey I I'm saying that I'm a Christian now I'm a Christian I'm I'm good. Gotcha. Yeah. So so how does that work with your daily life though? Are, 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 do you incorporate God and Jesus into your um, your work? How does that work for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So so every day, at least Monday through Friday, involves some some Bible reading, some reading of of things like art you know art analysis or literature or business strategy, things like that. 
Um, but I, I found that it's helpful to, to attach everything up to a grand meta narrative, if you will. So this grand theme about what rules everything. So some people, maybe the ancient orients, they, they would attach it back to yin and yang or chaos and order and things of that. So, so I just, I just have a different meta narrative through which I attach all these things. And that meta narrative is God. The Bible. Correct. Correct. God. Yeah. It, it's, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ specifically. Yes. Jesus specifically. So you, do you, you stick mostly to the new Testament. You don't stray over to the old Testament much. Well, I mean, I, I read, I read both. Both. I read both. Gotcha. gotcha. I read both. Yes. So what is the Bible to you? So the Bible is a story arc. Mm. You have you have a a group of books. That it functions like a library, mm. and you have something something like thirty nine different authors who wrote different parts of the Bible. And mm. so all the Bible is is just a collection of all these books over about a thousand year period, actually almost exactly a thousand year period, um, inserted there. Um, and it's it's a it's a mixture of poetry of music. Of, of literary uh, devices, of historical context, of, of, of things that um, encompass all the great literature types. And, um, and, and so whenever we read it in the proper context, we understand with what kind of literature it is when, when, we, when we read it. So it's not a scientific book. It's not a book of science. No, it's not a book not. of, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's written by people that were, you know, two, 3,000 years older than we are. So they, they think of things a little bit differently than, than, than we would. Absolutely. That's for sure. <laughs> is it true though? Would you call it a true book? I, I would call it a book of books a for sure. A book. Yeah. What does that mean? What do you mean it's by that? It's a book of books. So, so it's, it's 66 books hmm. written by something like 39 different authors. Yeah. It's a book uh, of Testament. books. Okay. I get you. I get you. Book yeah, of books. Yeah. 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 Not the book yeah, of books, yeah. but a book of books. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I think you could argue that it is it is the it is the book through which all at least Western civilization is in base, which is which is interesting comment to make for a religion that came out of the East, right? It's, <laughs> it's like everyone saying that Christianity is like the Western the Western religion, but it was the Middle Eastern guy that started it. Wow, Jesus and, loves his America. So he, does, oh, he loves himself some Americans. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and so and so it's it's one of those things where. Um, it's written by all these different people, but if we have the right posture by which we read it, we can see this this grand arc over all of it. Now, the grand the, arc. the obvious, yeah, this kind of, kind of grand arc over all sixty six books. Now, the interesting mm -hmm. thing, Michael, I think is is a lot of us will look at this and say that you get the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, right? It kind of looks like what it is. It's it's the Old Testament God that is just you know the mean guy, the vindictive guy, the jealous God. The God that that commits all these atrocities, and then you got the nice God in the New Testament. You got mm. Jesus who who mm. loves children, that heals the heals the sick, that does all these great <laughs> things. And so the 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 question is is how do we tie all these things together? And I think I think one mm. of those is the is the aim of Christianity to try to figure out how does this synthesize. Hmm. And how does that work for you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, I think we'll, I I suspect we're going to talk about uh, talk about this in depth today. Um, but I think that we have to realize what our definition of God is, right? So, and I, yeah. I think this is probably a good, a good place for us, um, is, is how are we defining God when we have yeah. a conversation about God? Um, so whenever I'm making a comment or I'm answering a question about God, I'm thinking about God in the, in the, in the classical sense. So God, 
God is the, the maximal being possible. He is, okay. he is maximally uh, knowing. So he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He exists in all places, not, not, also, not only geography, but also all timelines simultaneously. So he, he is as much present today as he is a thousand years from now and also a thousand years ago right now. So he, he, can, he, can, he can be in all those places. Uh, that's what it means to be God. Um, it means that God is love, not that God loves, which he does, but God is the standard of love. Standard it means that God love. is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to dive into that a little bit later. And I'm trying to give you some fodder here, Michael. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is good. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're in the entertainment business. I know you're a Vegas guy. I love the entertainment. So let's, uh, let's give the people what they want. Right. And, uh, and, and so, and so also God is good. God is good. Right. So God is good. Not that okay. God is good. And the standard. Yeah. Of love. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. 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 So, so God is good. Not that, not just that he does good things, which he does good things. He does things that you and I would, would not do today if we were, you know, moral yeah. people. Um, but, but that he is the standard of good that by which every moral law or moral claim uh, should be addressed. Now, now let me let me sum up my my definition of God by saying this: that if he's the only, if he is love, uh-huh. he should also exhibit the maximal love. And if he's someone that that has a interaction with people, he is the type of person that would what, would tell a story. He would love to tell a story, and that he would love to have the maximal love displayed within the maximal type of story. Hmm. And so I would argue, and we'll, I'll keep coming back to this probably today that that God tells a maximal type of story that he that in the beginning he looked at all the maximal type he looks at all the possibilities all the ways the world could work out uh-huh. and he chose the type of world that would allow for the maximal type of love and the maximal story to be told so the world we're living in world. now is the maximal story love thing yes 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 and all and that all interplays into evil and good and and everything that morality and pain and suffering it plays into all of it Interesting. Uh, again this is why this is why it requires a, a, a grand narrative a meta a meta narrative um that a lot of people will not would not assent to obviously an atheist wouldn't assent to it a humanist wouldn't assent to it uh agnostic wouldn't assent to that but but i i think that there's a way that we can look at this um, and attach it attach all these things back into a grand narrative meta narrative Gotcha. So you see lots of love in the Bible. God's full of love in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you see a lot of pain in the Bible. You see a lot of evil in the Bible. Hmm. Um, And I think one of the things we've got to remember is what we read in the Bible. It's not an instruction book. So the things that are commanded to other people to do, the things (laughs) that people do, we're not we're not going to do that. So so just at the outset, like the horrible things that are in the Bible that that, you know, slaughtering the innocents and um, slaughtering the innocent. Obviously, you and I are not going to do that today, right? I mean, I think right. we can both agree that would be bad if Michael and Rick went out and, and did did a lot of those things that are in the Old Testament, right? That's not that's but not when, who we when, are. When yeah. God slaughters the innocent, when Jesus, God, same person, when God slaughters, Jesus slaughters the innocent. Is that a moral standard we should be looking up to? So. It's helpful to understand. We're gonna we're gonna attach all this to the, to the theology of God because God God is invoked in the question hmm. about God's perspective that God can see. Remember, He's in all timelines simultaneously, and so when we see it, when you and I see a tragedy, let's say we drive by and we see a car accident, 
And we see someone has died in that. That's obviously very, very sad. And we see the immediate implications. We see the implications on their family, their kids, their grandkids, people like that. But God can see what's going to happen a thousand or 10,000 years from now because of that, because he has a divine perspective. He's outside of time, right? He, he, can, he can see all these things simultaneously. And um, his perspective is such that will, in the end, cause and tell the maximal story. Um, and, and so all the bad things that we read about in, in the Bible, specifically things like, you know, slaughter the Canaanites, slaughter the, the women well, and the children. The, let's go with Exodus 12, 29, uh, where, where God comes in and at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn, firstborn of Egypt. So God goes in and kills a bunch of yeah. sleeping kids. Let's, let's, let's specifically yes. talk about that one. So in that scenario, is that a standard mm-hmm. of love? Is God being good in that situation? So context matters. In the Old Testament, specifically what he's doing, I think a lot of these cases of evil where you see this is immense slaughter, they're happening generally over about a 40 to 100-year period, somewhere in there. I mean, it's like all the bad stuff is really kind of contained within there. And what, what is God trying to do? He's trying to free his people out of slavery in Egypt and get them to specific geography through which we're, and there they could build a nation. So he's trying to build a nation. Mm-hmm. Now, now the Jesus of the New Testament is not trying to build a nation. He's doing something very similar to that. He's trying to build a people that that believe similarly and, and, and can worship him. But the mm-hmm. God of the Old Testament, it seems to be doing that when he's causing this. So what, what happens? Mm-hmm. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh already has a hard heart. God didn't harden his heart in the first place. God rehardens it. He just hardens it, hardens it more. God doesn't and help the situation. He, just, he makes it worse. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> and, and, and so, but 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 what what happens? Pharaoh Pharaoh is presented with a warning: if you don't let my people go out to the desert to worship, now this is hmm. temporal worship, not not hey we're going to escape. Hey, we just want to go out and and leave the slavery yeah. for a few days, yeah. go desert worship, yeah. which sounds cool, right? Right? <laughs> and he's like, no, we're not going to do that. He said, okay, well, so then we'll cause this thing to happen. And um, I think it I think it was the the water and the blood. I think it was like the first one, something like that. And so the first the first three uh, warnings all came with consequences there, and they're they're increasing consequences that that culminate in this tenth plague that you're talking about, yeah. the firstborn. So so Pharaoh has nine warnings throughout the process, um, and he doesn't hear, doesn't hear, doesn't hear. But the question that we have to rec- remember is that were these people going to die anyway? And if I have a non theocratic type of worldview that all these people are going to die and they're not going anywhere afterwards. Well, I shouldn't have a problem with that. I should well, 100% have a problem, with, have a problem with that because yeah. these people don't get to live their life. They've been snuffed out. These children don't get to live their lives. God decided mm-hmm. they were going to die. Why? Why did he decide they were going to die? Why did they have to die? Exodus 9, 16, but I have raised you up, Pharaoh, for this very purpose, that I might show off my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So these sound like very selfish reasons to be forcing a Pharaoh to be doing things that will cause the death of children. Well, was God's desire to free a nation, free millions of people? Was that that a good thing? So if God's all-powerful, is God not able to snap his fingers, and poof, all of the Israelites are in the promised land. Why does he have to kill children to make his point? Well, remember, he's trying to tell the maximum story possible. 
And what's going to happen to these children? Keep mind, this is this is a land that's that's permeated with evil, that that is permeated towards the sacrifice of children towards Pharaoh and towards other gods. Well, and then once they cross over the well, they, once they cross over and they go into the Canaanite, you need to deal with the god Moloch, through which people sacrifice their children to, to the god Moloch. And and it's it's something where in God's perspective is that what happens at death is that it's the entryway into eternal life. And so if you're asking the question from your perspective, it uh-huh. looks like it just terminates in death. God's perspective is that the death is the entryway into, into eternal life. So those kids go to heaven. Yes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans three thirty uh, 23. So those kids were Correct. sinful and they were born into a sinful nation, worshiping false gods. So you're telling me those kids went to heaven. That doesn't really go. I believe with what I, the Bible says, I believe in it. I believe in an age of accountability. And, oh. and so if you're talking about, if you're talking about the, the, you're talking about the, the innocence, let's, let's call it like, one or two years old. I, I, let's call those, those infants or babies. Do you have a verse to right? back that up? Is there a, a I, I verse in the Bible that says there's an age of innocence? From what I see, there's though, is, is the opposite. Is we're all born guilty. We are all born sinful, and God is angry at us because we're sinful. So we all deserve but God, whatever he but God gives, did, I guess. But, but yeah, yeah. So, so, so God does not give a condemnation without a chance to escape the condemnation. Remember, remember the nine warnings to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, not the kids. But these kids didn't have any warnings. These poor children sleeping in their beds had no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden God now, comes in now, and kills them when they're sleeping. Now, now, now why, why were they killed? It's because number one, Pharaoh didn't let them Show go. Off his powers. Number two, number two, because they did not put the, the blood of lambs on their posts. Like the Israeli, none of the Israeli kids died. <laughs> there, there were specific instructions. There were specific what? instructions, Michael. Yeah, yeah, that, that oh, they yeah, they follow. If you're kid, so you, but why? You, do you have, you have kids? You yes, have kids? I have kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I have kids as well. And and let's let's imagine for a second that that we live on a highway, and my kids do not obey my my voice when I when I tell them do not run out of the highway, and uh-huh. they keep running out on the highway. Running out of the highway. Well, they should expect for tragedy to happen because they don't obey my voice. And when I give them warning after warning after warning. They're disobeying. I cannot. I cannot prevent them from being in, encountering reality. The reality is that if you disobey the voice of God, if you disobey the voice of reality, there are consequences for that. God will send God a truck is the your way. Reality. This no, is what God did. God person, sent a semi truck to kill all these kids. God did. Every person. Every person who died. So okay. So let me ask you this. So a hundred and twenty year old person that dies uh, is that is that God killing them? I don't know. It's old age. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. Well, first off, I don't think God does anything, but that's beside the point. Um, I I don't, it's a completely different situation. These children did nothing wrong. They were born in the wrong place. That's, that was their sin. Essentially. Their parents are the ones that were doing all the bad things, worshiping the wrong God, sacrificing some of their children. So God decides to come in and kill all of their children, all their firstborn. Ah, oh, you want to sacrifice to these other gods? Well, I'm going to kill your kids. I mean, that is not a leading by example thing. Okay, well, let's 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 play this scenario out. Let's let's say you yeah. didn't kill the kids. Let's okay, say you didn't kill the kids, did. right? right? These kids grow up and they're sacrificing uh-huh. their own kids to Pharaoh and to gods, and they're they're living a, a, a very a very evil some life. of them. You Israel think all of them are going to do that? Maybe there's maybe there's like two of them that become like different. 
I mean, we can't just assume that all of them are going to be worshiping other gods. And then how bad is it that they're worshiping these other gods? Well, it, it's it's a it's a it's it's traitor. They're, they're being they're being traitors against their very maker. That's that's what's bad about so if my it. kids decided um, to call somebody else dad. I'm not going to kill their kids because they decided to call somebody else dad. I'm not, that's that's. It's illogical, no, irrational. No, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me finish. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> ahead, I, 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 you're, you're, you're a very, very talented man. I love this. I love this. Fun. Okay, so, okay, so, so these people, these people grow up. These kids grow mm-hmm. up, and they're sacrificing their kids because nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Israel's still enslaved. God's mm-hmm. people are not able to escape and go set up their own country, which has other. Obviously, there's other. I guess atrocities that are that are assimilated with that. Yeah. But but these people grow up and then, and then they die. They die a natural life. Now, mm-hmm. if your perspective that that God exists, because mm-hmm. that's kind of the assumption here is that God yeah. exists. These people do not end up in heaven. They do not end up in a in a happy place. They 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 end up in in hell. Mm-hmm. Now, would it be better for the kids to go to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell? I think that's that's the that's the the logical outflow of this. Is it better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven? That's a good question too. But anyway, that's rule. beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that's hell's a whole other thing too. Uh, maximal story. So, so is 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 your what you're saying is what you're saying here that God killed these kids because later on they could be bad kids or bad adults doing bad things he doesn't like. <laughs> No, I'm I'm saying he killed he he killed the kids or he sent his I guess messenger out to actually pass over they pass over the houses that he killed the kids because they did not heed the other ten warnings didn't put the blood on their posts and also God's trying to to free millions of people out of slavery and set up his own nation huh. in order so that he might tell the the maximal story possible maximal that, story that that there's yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not saying that I understand the knowledge of God. I'm not an infinite being to know an infinite mind, but, but uh, this is this is just conjecture based off of what I can what I can what I can put together. I'm not so smart he's trying enough, to, Michael. No, well, me neither. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so he's trying to tell a good story. Is that the whole basis of this? Explain that maximal story I, to me. Okay, okay. So, so God is love, supposedly, and yes. God is, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And so God is good and God is love. And and so we have to understand that there are certain things that that have to happen in order to to have a, a universe where, where where God sees and displays his love and his goodness. And okay. so uh, let me let me let me just talk about a rhetorical question here and I and I'll I'll kind of talk through this here in a second, but um so, so the basis, and this is something that Nietzsche alludes to in his condemnation of uh, of, of atheists and, and humanists, that that they use, they steal the moral platform from the Christians and the Jews. Interesting. Um, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a striking kind. I, I I wish I had a reference off my head, but but you yeah, Google it, Google it, you'll find it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it's yeah. But yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not spending a lot of time reading Nietzsche, my friend. But uh, <laughs> but, um, but but if we if we understand that that the maximal love, the being that maximally loves and is also maximally beauty, that he tells the maximal story, that the maximal story would not be one that we would expect. And I think one of the risks that we run as, as just as just humans 
is we like to invent gods. Like if we were going to invent a God, I would invent a God that had a perfect world. It was all goodness. And it was all, it was all hope. And it was all kindness. And like never, never, never an evil thing. Something like that, right? Like if we're, if we're inventing earth, like we're going to invent <laughs> earth that, that look a lot like heaven. Uh, only, only, only that we don't have to obey anyone that we're, we're kind of free men. We have to make our own decisions. We have to set yeah, things on our own, which, which I think is the classical uh, sin of pride. Now, the the desire for us to do this is predicated on this on this on this, and I, I'm not going to put words in here. I don't want to put words in here. Kind of the eight things I've heard other atheists say is that, um, like, why is there evil in the world? It's like we have this idea that the world should be evilless, hmm. and where do we get the where do we get the idea that that a world should be evilless um, instead of instead of the the alternative? And so I, I would submit for your consideration. Again, dealing with the Nietzsche quote, dealing with the yeah. this idea that God's telling the maximal stories. You and I remember I said he he looked across all the maximal types of universes he could possibly create, and he, and he chose this one because it tells the maximal story. And that you you have world A, which is the the world that has no evil whatsoever. It's the evilest uh, candy Heaven. land, fairy tale land. It's it, where, good, where good stuff happens. Only that you don't have to obey God. Oh, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you have yeah, God present yeah, yeah. in heaven, right? You got to create an, an all-inclusive candy land here. So this is the <laughs> evilest world, and then and then you have you have world B, you have world B, which is a world that has evil in it, but mm-hmm. the evil is confronted with good, and over time the evil does lots of damage to humanity. It kills people, it does all sorts of bad things, and the good confronts it through men of courage and women of courage. In the end, the good prevails over the evil. And everything bad that ever happened, Michael, becomes untrue. Everyone that died gets resurrected. And everyone that confronts the evil in that world gets rewarded with a reward that's beyond imagination, which is being in the very presence and being aligned and being in the direct worship of, of God himself, being able to worship him. And so you have these two different worlds. The evilest world seems like a, a world that no one would even bother making a movie about. It's so boring. It's so boring. But There's the, books but the about world, heaven. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they've got books. They've got movies. They've got all kinds of things. So yeah. I wouldn't say Boy, it, it's one of the books in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, well, well, again, again, context matters, right? It's it's setting up nations in, in the Old Testament. Context it's definitely matters. People of God in the New context. Testament, and yeah, and and so. And then also in, in heaven, heaven is heaven is heaven by definition because it's God is present and God has revealed himself there. And in the evilest world, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a God because you have to you have to have someone to be accountable to, someone to serve. And we don't want any of that. So God is God here now? He's very he's very present right now. Oh, so it's like kind of like heaven here then, because God's present. He's he's not revealed. He's not directly, especially revealed right now. He is. He is present. What does that mean? What does that mean? Not revealed. Yeah. So, uh, it, you really have two different perspectives on life, and and so and, and I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to make this accessible to a lot of the listeners. I know you got you got tons of listeners. They have across a broad. <laughs> a few. Um, they're all over the place. Though. Yeah. We. we yeah. Atheist, Christian. <laughs> yeah. Muslim. Yeah. yeah all, all, all over the place. Right? So. So you have two different two different five people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have the type of person that believes the body is primary, and the body just happens to have a spirit, just happens to have a soul. And the other type of person that has has this mm-hmm. view that the spirit of the soul is primary, that just happens to have a body. So either mm-hmm. we're bodies that happen to have a soul, or we're souls that happen to have a body. And 
the, the way that you think through that gives alignment to one of these two different directions. And so that, that's what, that, that's really what, what being in the presence of God is, is if I think, if I, if I see you as just a body that happens to have a spirit, I'm going to address you one way. But if I see that you're a spirit, you're a soul that happens to have a body, I'm going to view you, Michael, as, as you're going to live forever, that, that, the, the whole cosmos will pass away, but you'll still be alive. And that, that's the difference that a Christian, if I was a good Christian, that's the, that's the, that's the difference that I would take. Uh, now, now total, total disclaimer here, Michael, too. My, we talked about our wives before, before we got on the podcast here. My wife says I'm wrong 90% of the time, and I think she's probably right. But I don't know if that's 90% or 10% that she's right. So, so a, lot, a lot of this is just, it's just how I intuit how Scripture functions across the entire story are not specific. Yeah. How it just the whole thing. Yeah. So God, not just killing yeah. children here, he's requiring the death of his son in order to save humanity from his wrath. So we can all go to heaven and hang out with him and be his servants. Is that the so arc? That is, that is, that is an older definition of the atonement way of looking at the atonement. There, there's different ways of looking at the atonement at, at the death of uh-huh. Christ. Yeah. The atonement. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, is that something you want to get into or, or yeah, you go somewhere else? I, I, we go all over the place, man, wherever this goes, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is good. So go ahead. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so the atonement. Um, so I, I guess the question is why, why did God's son have to die? There you right? go. Why, there you why go. did it, it doesn't make sense? It looks without like, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God can't forgive or refuses to forgive without something dying. And it has to be innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, but again, again, con, again, context matters. And we and we read on yeah. to verse twenty three. There, we're talking. Paul's talking about the divine copies that are in heaven. That the that the blood that was shed in the ancient Jewish scriptures. So I'm not a Jew. I'm a Christian. Yeah. Ancient Jewish scriptures were a a symbol of mm. what's happening in heaven. That they they built this tabernacle. That's a, a reflection of of what heaven's like. Yeah. Or what, at least what part of heaven's like. It kind of reflective. And so what Paul's doing here is he's making a platonic argument. He's arguing based on the, the principles of, of platonic forms, that there's, there's images of the things that exist of a, of a table, of a chair, of a ball, of, of an apple in heaven. Uh-huh. And, and we know the proper role of, a, of an object because we know what the idealistic uh, view of that is in the platonic sense. And so this is a little bit what Paul's talking about. So, so without blood, there's not the forgiveness of sins. That's true, but what he's saying is, is this is a platonic argument. Um, it's not something that God cannot do something. Um, and, hmm. and so, what 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 was blood? Blood was life, right? It, it's it's the symbol of it's it's shedding shedding of life. And what civilization doesn't demand the death of traitors? They've always demanded the death of traitors. Wow. And so that's a if, good thing. If we're, we, we should kill all traitors. No, I'm saying it's universal. It's right, universal. So, so God thinks it's a good thing. People think it's a good thing. So we should do it. We should kill all traitors. That's a, that's a biblical law or a good law, Jesus law. Well, I'm saying every nation that, that I can think of throughout history has done that. And we have so traitors it, in it this country we like, haven't like, killed, though. We do. We have traitors in this country we haven't killed. I don't think we should kill all traitors. I don't, I don't think that's a good rule. I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you think that's a good rule to kill the traitors? I think it could be very practical. 
to yes. kill to kill traitors. We, it can we be practical. Pra- well, we, <laughs> we should be practical when I, thinking I, I, I about think punishments. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's a very yeah, yeah. practical way to go about things. Oh, you're a traitor. Okay. Die. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, the, the argument is something like this, that, that we were made by God, that God yeah. created and everything. We, Therefore we we're you. material, we're material and we're spirit. And both of those eventually go up to God because God created both. And then we're made in his image. But whenever we reject him, we fall away from that. We, we function as traitors. We function as rebels. And, and so we try to get away from God. And so we try to set up our own. This is what the story of Babel is. This is the story of uh, before the flood was. It is the story of man. has a story of, of Eve eating the fruit in the garden. Um, that was the promise mm. of the snake in the garden was that you shall be like gods, knowing good from evil. This is, no this is the promise of pride. And, and, so, um, and so remember I talked about inventing gods. Our, our, our favorite god to invent is the one that, the one that eventually points to us. Huh. Or we like to create our own religions. And so... Uh, side note. So anyway, so so we, we trade. We, we we become we become traitors. We become we're, become, we're traitors become, to God. God does not like us because we're traitors. Is that where we're at? When whenever we reject God, correct. So we reject correct. God and we become traitors and deserving of what? Yeah. Death. So you you become desert, deserving of, of of justice. Of justice. So is that a good standard uh, to look up to? Somebody who just slaughters traitors is is justice good? Depends on the justice. I don't think justice is fair. I don't think justice is is served in the United States. But um, I don't think God des- throws out fair <laughs> justice either. I mean, he's slaughtering kids in their sleep. I don't think that's a very fair justice for the sins of the parents. He says that several times that he punishes children for the sins of their parents. How is that logical? Well. It's again from your perspective, from God's perspective, He's sending them to heaven. From our perspective, now, right? From like our, from we, our we understand yeah, so, that so, it's not good to kill children in their sleep. We can both agree on that. Oh, absolutely. Good. We're not okay, good. nations. We're not. We're not trying to carve down and kick out civilizations. Um, he but, doesn't but, need to kill also, children to do that, though. You're telling me God needs to kill kids to carve out civilizations and nations? You're, the the standard of good can't find a better way to do it without slaughtering kids. I'm telling you that people do not listen to reality, do not they are reality, so especially when it's revealed to reality. Kids? The Amalekites that doesn't I'm sound logical. The parent, the parent, the parents put their kids in the middle of the roadway. But God sent the God's truck. Will be done. So, so do you think God should have to change his plan to change his God great strategy to put truck. Israel in the Middle East? God sent the truck, right? If the kid's in the middle of the road and we told him not to go in there, God sent the truck to kill the kid. That's what this is. This is a giant truck. Killing kids in Egypt, but your 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 assumption is, is twofold. Number one, that God, the fountain of life, cannot has to continually dispense life. That it, that that we should have some claim that a hundred and twenty year old is okay. He can he can stop dispensing life for that. He's lived his but life. For a twenty year old or for a two year old, he's lived his life. That that's that's the assumption that we make when we ask that question. The second question, the second part of the question, is um is a little bit is a little bit more challenging in that. We're we're implying there's some sort of moral law against slaughtering children. Again, you and I don't do not think that's a cool thing to do. That's not that's not okay to do. I can tell you it's wrong without without Jesus. Jesus sends a Mack truck to slaughter children. I don't because I don't think it's a good idea. Jesus thinks it's a great idea to send that Mack truck to slaughter the kid who crosses the road. Well, his parents should listen. Why do you why do you have a value for for life and for children? Where do you get that from? 
Well, I don't get it from the God that drowns children. That's for sure. I get my value for life through my experience in life, my empathy, uh, my, uh, my, the society I live in, the common sense. Uh, if we start slaughtering each other, it's not going to be a very good place to live. All these different things. I don't need a God that drowns and kills children out of jealousy and, and, and whatever else to tell me that it's a bad thing to kill kids. Well, you just said you get your values from your society. When I go into the right. Supreme Court, I see nothing but the, the Ten Commandments up there. It's, it's a Judeo-Christian ethic <laughs> that you're espousing. So you're telling you're me just, they don't you're lie? Just, you're telling me those people don't lie? They've only had one marriage? There's no adulterers in there? Come on, man. They follow the you're, Ten Commandments? You really think we all follow oh, no, the no, Ten I'm Commandments? Not, Nobody I'm gives I'm a crap about that. those things. They just sit in the courthouse. It's just a, it's It's just for looks, essentially, to keep certain people happy. They don't like but follow. the but the entire the entire country was founded on the Judeo Christian ethic, life, do liberty, we, and pursuit of happiness. Do we have life? Life? It, uh, do we do we kill people in prison? What's that? What's that? Uh, uh, wow, brain farts. But, but you, you still do you we still do that? That's my question. It's like it's like it's like where do you where do you get the value for life and for children? You're it's, not listening. You're, telling, you're not listening. You're telling about, Mark. Rick, Rick, you're not listening. So if we get our values from the Ten Commandments, if we get our laws from the Ten Commandments, why are we? Why do we have the death penalty? It says, do not kill. We're killing. These laws are in our courthouse where we kill people. Yeah. That's why there's earthly authorities. That's why God sets up kings do and sets up governments kill. and allows governments to rule. And you vote on them. Yeah, well, I you don't mean, vote to kill you, you vote just like I You have a vote just I like I do. I don't vote to kill rich people. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't vote to kill. So... So have you ever have you ever have you ever voted for someone that is that is pro-choice? Oh wow, yes. Oh, I love this argument. Go ahead. Yes, I have voted for somebody who has been pro-choice. This is good. This is good. So do you think God okay. is pro-choice? Pro-choice? I, I I think he's pro-life. You think God is pro-life? We're talking absolutely. about the same guy that just went into the beds of kids and killed them. The guy that drowned the entire planet is pro-life. 3,000 years ago, over a 40-year period, where he's trying to set up a nation and bring people out of slavery. He was trying it's, to? Yeah. Rick, so, but God doesn't try. God does. He does. He is all-powerful. Why would he have to try something? They were enslaved for 400 years, supposedly, according to the Bible. 400 years. What was he doing? To, he's not trying to do well, He was waiting for, for, for the Canaanites and the Malachites, they're evil, to hit the pinnacle. <laughs> so they were unsalvageable. But, but you never. But you never. You, wait, wait, wait. You just said. You just said. You just said that you support hmm. pro-choice. You support the yeah. death and the murder of infants when I they're don't on think, one side of us. I don't think we're killing. And infants. they're not. On the other side. I, I. I don't think they're infants at that point. I don't think they are um, babies. I don't think they have made it to that stage of growth. They're cells at that point. And then, but God, God does abortion. God aborts babies. Is it okay when God aborts babies? He doesn't abort babies. You're talking about you're talking about the passage where, where he commands people to drink something as a, as a punishment. Is that what you're no, referring to? No, no, yeah, no. Uh, so the flood, number one, every pregnant woman on the planet died. He killed all those yeah. babies. He aborted every baby. Um, he uses that as a punishment. Uh, the test for unfaithful wife, Numbers five eleven, which we were talking about there. Um, Hosea yeah. nine sixteen, uh, or sorry, sorry, Hosea nine eleven through fourteen. He aborts babies there because they worship the wrong God. Um, let's see. There's another Genesis, of course, the flood. Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord formed man and the dust of the earth became the breath and life. That was a different version. But yes, so he definitely does abort babies. At, 
several points in the Bible, we have him aborting babies as a punishment, no less. Yeah, but again, I think we've got to we've got to figure out what kind of what kind of literature we're reading. You mentioned the Hosea nine sixteen, yeah. which is a which is an allegory or a metaphor of how God puts up with the sins of His people. Hosea marries a puts woman who's a prostitute. Yeah, I will attack them and rip them Hose- open like a lion. I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them tear them apart. You'll be destroyed. I will have no compassion. The people of Samaria. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where's the Part where he says, "Dang it!" Yeah, this is all. This is all. This anyways. is all. Yeah, this is all. This is all geared towards Ephraim. It's Ephraim, it, um, yeah, in, Ephraim in chapter yeah. nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and so, it's but it, but it's all the, the entire book of Hosea is metaphorical. It's about would you a say man this to your kids? His wife. If you're dating my kids, if one of your if your if one of your kids decided to marry a prostitute, which is a weird thing, but if it happens. Would you say these things to your kid? I will slaughter your cherished offspring. I will be like a lion to devour them and tear them apart. Would you use this language when talking to your kids? Is this loving? Is this a loving response? But he's he's not talking to his kids. He's not talking to his nation. He's talking to the people which occupy the, the, the nation in which he, he wants to take over. It's, are it's humans all his about kids? the land. All humans are his kids. It's We're all his children, right? In one sense, right. In one so sense. he's talking to his kids. These are his children. But, These are his but creations. When, but when you, but but when we reject him, we're not mm-hmm. his kids. In in another sense, how does that work? Right. I, my my father is always my birth father. Uh-huh. But if I disown him, he's not my father in like the full sense. And it's it's something like that. Okay. Like, then we'll, okay. So if you disown your father, does your father have a right to punish you for that? If he created me and gave me life and gave me the person I am and gave me gave me the spirit that I have and everything that I ever touch and ever I see is something he created. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Wow, but I've never met a father like that other than Heavenly Father. Well, you, I, we'll see if you've met him. That's a whole other thing. But as far as that goes, um, you you think that's an okay thing? Why do you think that's an okay thing? Why is that? Why why what? Why, why, for, why a father this, to discipline this, someone? This father to discipline somebody for not loving them, for not accepting you're talking them about, as their You're talking father. about in Hosea? You're anywhere. talking about Hosea, you're talking about another Anywhere, father. anywhere. Your story arc, the, uh, the, 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 the grand story arc of the whole thing, if we don't love God, we're going to hell. That's the grand story arc. Whenever you reject reality, you go into, you go into hell right now. Whenever why? you reject the, whenever you, that's, that's the way reality works. Whenever I reject that there's a highway in front of me and I go and walk through there, I don't even look at the cars, I'm going to get hit eventually. Whenever I reject the idea that if I don't show up to work, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills and I'm going to starve to death. Whenever I reject the idea that if I don't pay my taxes, I'm, at, I'm, I'm not ever going to go to prison for that. Whenever I reject Why? the idea these that people care I, can about do, you? I, can, I can kill whoever I want to, whenever I reject those things, I distance myself from reality and my life eventually turns into complete chaos and destruction. It plays out in the real world just as it does in the biblical world. So there's this reality. The reality you were speaking of is God and Christianity, right? Well, God, God is the ultimate reality. He's the platform. God for is the reality. ultimate reality, yeah. the ultimate good guy, um, standard of love. Still haven't shared about that. Um, so why why are you a Christian? Why have you chose this as your ultimate truth? Why do you think there's a God up there doing this? Yeah, because nothing else 
can help me to answer the questions of, of purpose, of how do you deal with courage? How do you address beauty? How do you address love? How do you, how do you address meaning and, and hope? And how do you address evil and good simultaneously? Um, nothing else can help tie all these things together into a cohesive system through which I can effectuate my life and live a life that, that, is, that is consistent with it. Look, look, this is is nothing, this is, well, this, this is nothing new. Go back, go back and read Plato and Aristotle. They they were not theists, but the only reason they weren't theists is because they could never connect their philosophy with their theology. They still talked about the gods. They still talked about what existed in heaven. Even Plato talked about the, this idea that there would be a meteor come from God at some point that, that they, they, they still had this, they still had this intuition about, about what would happen. So it all makes sense to you. It, it makes perfect sense. It's not, it's not easy, but again, we're not inventing religions. We're not inventing gods. If we're inventing gods, we could make it very, very easy. <laughs> it all makes sense. Okay. We're, hey, we're in the entertainment, we're in the entertainment business for the next, <laughs> uh, next few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it all makes sense to you. Loving God. If you don't love him, he punishes you forever. That all makes sense. Slaughters children, but he's the standard of good in which we should all look up to. This all makes sense to you. Him looking at the, the higher good for the children. Right. So let's slaughter kids not for the good of the future. From your perspective. Right. Because it doesn't make any love, sense. Love of the good of the future for the kids. For the kids. For the kids. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to us. We're sitting in time. We're sitting in time and looking at this, going back and Rick, looking at this. Rick, so so God sends people to slaughter kids, or God himself <laughs> slaughters kids for the good of the future. Is that what, what we're saying here? Let me let, let me let me art, let me articulate this in a, in a different in a, in a different way, just to kind of yeah, help it yeah. from a, from another perspective. Okay, okay, we're the, the question accuses God of of committing an, an atrocity. Is that is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, Kill, killing kids yeah. in our world today. It's an atrocity. atrocity, right? Yes, horrible thing. Horrible thing. Okay, and um, so so what we're doing is we're we're accusing God against some sort of moral standard. Now I'm not, I'm not going to go where you think I'm going with this um, <laughs> about some moral standard, this moral law. But the problem, whenever you and I do that, again, that's my natural inclination. When I when I read something like this in the scripture, and I don't I don't have like the full context, and I don't I don't do my research. This. I, it sickens me. It's it's sickened me initially. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad. yeah. That's good. So, 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 whenever I make when I say that God is committing atrocity because I've got some sort of standard of moral law in my in my mind, I I'm doing two things. Number one, I'm assuming that you and I and everyone listening already has an idea of this with this moral law, with this with this idea of of the perfect moral action might be, or at least what 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 the wrong action should be. We all have this kind of yeah, embedded. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. It's wrong today for us to kid, kill kids. Yeah. Um, the, but the second thing that we do is something that we have to get back to the definition of God for is that if, if we're using the moral law to judge God, that means the moral law is higher than God, that, it, that God has to fall in line with that. He, has to, he must obey that, and that makes the moral law God. So, so the God that we're using huh. is, is a subservient to the moral law, so it's not God by definition. But the only way that it works, only that only way that it works philosophically is that if God is the moral standard, he is good. And out of the nature of his goodness, he 
causes to come into being some sort of moral law that 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 we we that all men know about, but we sometimes choose to disobey. But then we also try to look back up through that moral law and judge him by the same standards. But he's not under the command of a moral law because he's God. Um, so it's all about it's all about perspective. Well, so does that make him not moral if he's not under the command of a moral law? Are his actions all moral? Well, you're you're saying does does his more does does God fall in line with the moral law? His own moral quite, moral law. Does he fall in line with his own moral law? And the Bible it describes love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is blah 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 blah. Does God fall in line with his own description of what love is? When you look at humanity in the totality and the type of stories trying to tell in totality, he does. He does. Yes. Yes. So so. Israel, let's let's let, let's take let's take it let's take it back here. I mean, okay. yeah, Israel. Like we're we're looking at the people of Israel. Like we're uh-huh. looking at millions of people there that, that come and they, they escape slavery, and they they they've overcome the the Egyptians who enslaved them. Uh-huh. And Israel is named after what Jacob, right? Jacob was named Israel, and, and the whole nation was named after him. So so whenever you read about Israel. We sometimes want to read about it um, in the allegorical sense, the way that Origen taught us to read it. He said that everything should be read through the through through the revelation of of Christ through, through that lens. I'm I'm happy to go into that a little bit. It's, yeah, I love sounds, that. No, I love it, that. It sounds yeah. insane. And Origen was a little I hear insane, it all the time. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. glasses. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 Revelation chapter five. That's that's exactly what it is. And I, mm. Origen may be on something, but he says that every verse in the Bible should be read through through three, three lenses, literally. Figuratively or allegorically, and also morally, like you've got to read every verse through those three lenses, and and uh, it's 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 really difficult to to, to do that. And so, um, whenever we look at this, we look at Israel. We look at Israel's named after one man, Jacob. That if you look at look at the look at the countries, the nations that are overcome that that fight back and forth throughout the Old Testament when God's trying to set up this kingdom. Look at it as as individual men instead of nations. So, individual men like nation like Israel is one man, uh, the Amalekites is one man, Egypt is one man, and they're doing battle now. The, now, obviously, on on the difference, this is this is the figurative scale. I'm not talking about the literal scale where, where children do die. I'm talking about the figurative scale. Um, it's one man doing battle against one man, or multiple men teaming up up against one man, Israel. And so, when you look at it from that perspective, you look at it allegorically and figuratively. Um, it looks a little bit different. And so, and so if if we use that, I found just for me personally, when I read scripture, I, I will tend to look at it through at least those three lenses uh, just to get a little bit of a different flavor. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it's right in every single case, but obviously we're reading the Psalms, Psalms yeah. or songs and poetry, like <laughs> we're not going to take that literally. We're not going to take it literally that, you know, that, uh, that, that, that the heaven, the heavens are singing. Like we know, we know that's figuratively, we know that's, hmm. that's something else. Yeah. Gotcha. So <sighs> Old Testament. Let's go to Old Testament. Curses. Yeah. Curses for disobedience. Deuteronomy 28. Have you read this thing? These are God's curses for disobedience. Now he he before yeah. he does this, he lifts off a bunch a bunch of stuff that, hey, if you listen to me, I'm gonna have your crops grow. This is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that these curses were actually implemented or threatened by God? Deuteronomy 28. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get this, this gets back to the whole, the whole thing where 
if if you do not obey yeah. what God says, if you do not align yourself with reality, this is kind of in the in the uh, psychological sense. Like if I'm going to ignore the need for work, I'm going to ignore the need for all the like the, the standard things that you might, if I if I ignore the, the need to eat and to drink and to take care of my kids and stuff like that, there's repercussions for that. And so that that's essentially what's, what, what it's saying here is that there's repercussions for ignoring God, who is the basis of all reality. Now, keep in mind also, also he's he's actually physically revealed himself to certain people around this timeline. That you know, these are these, some of these people are people that have heard about them coming out of Egypt and, and destroying the entirety of Pharaoh's army. These are people that have heard about whenever they get to Mount Sinai, where they see the entire mountain glow up with fire and, and clouds and just all this, all this stuff. And and it says that that all this propagated throughout the rest of of the, the, the entire world, everyone had heard what Israel's God had done. And so everyone there was in, in, in knowledge of what God, who God was and that he was ultimate rally, that, that you had the choice to either obey or disobey. And these are the ramifications for, for disobeying. So he, he warned, this is just another warning. Well, I mean, there was lots of stories of lots of gods. Every little town had their own god that did all kinds of miracles and stuff. So Israel, with their god doing miracle things, is really not anything new for that time and era. So how do you tell which god is the, the real god when everybody has a story of a god doing something? How can you tell? Well, yeah. my god is the real god. He came down and killed the pharaoh's kid. Well, cool. That's weird. And then my God sent a bunch of wild bears to tear up uh, some 42 kids that were calling somebody bald. You know, I mean, great. Your God sounds real nice. And then if you don't listen to my God, Deuteronomy 2830, you will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. God is good. God is good. Man, those are some good punishments. This is from a loving God. Well, if God takes his punishment or protection away from you, he will allow your wife to be raped. This is God's threats. No, 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 no. The standard but, but, but for good. Saying, but, but the chapter before a lot of these is saying that you've rejected God, so therefore you will live in a godless world. You will live in a godless society. That's what I rejected God, God now, Rick. I rejected God now. Does my wife deserve to be raped? I'm saying that if you reject... If the entire society rejects God, and, that, and that's what that's what's happening. I live in, some in of Vegas. These Most of the society has rejected God. <laughs> <laughs> but you have you have fun there, though. You have fun, and that's all. I don't counts. do shit no. here, Rick. I don't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan of this. Thing. That's a, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh man. Well, so I, I would say so. A little, little divergence here. I would I would put Vegas in probably as the number two or number three food city in America. Oh. I travel around a lot. Okay. I yeah. Agree I mean, with just you some there. Insane, we have some insane hills there. Mm. That's right. That's right. And then, and then you, and then you pair that up with like all the Cirque du Soleil's. You turn up, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big blackjack guy. I love blackjack. Oh man. Uh, it, I don't and so like, it's like, for it, good reason. it's like the first, well, that, that's a smart thing. That's a smart thing. Yeah. If, if I, if we saw spots, I'd be in trouble. I would have lost everything. Cause I, I've got such a, best. yeah, yeah. No, you're talking, you're talking, um, you're talking to a guy. Like I, I, I wake up at three 30 every morning and I get in the office like four, four 15. And like, I am, I have such an addictive personality that if oh, I, man, no. if I lived there, I would be going 24 <laughs> seven and, and, uh, I would have, a, I would have a reality problem. But yeah, yeah, stay away from Vegas, yeah. Rick. Stay away from Vegas. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We've definitely got but, off but, here. I, but, I, but go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but I, I think, um, I think a lot of those are are really useful. 
and, and worth digging into. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we don't have time to address all of them. Yeah. Um, but th- but things in the Old Testament, like like the use of um, uh, use of like like the she bears that you mentioned, for instance, mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. idea that that I think there are like forty two or forty three of them that were called because they insulted mm-hmm. Elisha as he's returning from uh, Elijah's ascension up into heaven, like mm-hmm. in the previous chapter, or some, it's something like that. But um, you know, it's helpful. It's helpful also to 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 look at uh, the linguistically how, how the how these work together in that. You know, the, the when they're talking about the ages, they're just talking about the numerics of the of the kids. They're they're using the term katan that that refers to not only ages but also numbers. And and when they talk about boys, they're also talking about this this narar word where they've got they've got this idea that that boys can also be men. So when Absalom, the son of David, it doesn't make it any better see, though. He's still killing people no, but, but, for but calling he, somebody boy. No, no, no. no. But, but it never says that these forty two or forty three. Boys, immature mm-hmm. men, were, were died. They were appalled. They were not. They were mauled by bears. They were They were clawed by bears, but never. It never says that they died. And there's and, and they're uh. not. They're not necessarily boys. Over and over and over in scripture, you have grown men uh. who conquer kingdoms that are referred to as boys because of their immaturity and because of their stature. After they're after they're called men, hmm. David is called a, a boy as he goes and confronts. Goliath, although he's already referred to as a man of war mm-hmm. or a man who's, who's killed lions and bears. And Absalom, after he's judged at the gate of Jerusalem for, for years and years and years, it masses an army and goes and confronts his father-in-law, his father, and, and, and takes, I think he takes his, his concubines or his wife. He's called a boy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so a lot of these, the same word can be used for immature people and the, the numerics and the, the, the ages being young. It also means like they're small in stature, small, small in numbers. And so again, again, this is not a platform for diving in and going you know, nitty gritty yeah. on this stuff. Well, but um, is but, that? But I, but I think there's. Is that a standard of good? Is sending bears to punish people a standard of good? Is it good for God to bring people out of slavery and set up their own kingdom? That's what this is about. Remember, what? Elijah is just is just, Rick, just, you just well, totally well, no, jumped no, over wait, that whole thing. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But remember, remember, remember what just happened. Elijah just sent to heaven. Elijah comes down after that. He's got, I think he's got a coat or something like that with him, kind of the coat of his old boss with him. And he's taking up the mantle to be God's prophet, God's person there. And these boys condemn him. They make fun of him. And they say that he should also go up too. They, they're not boys, but men. Condemn yeah. him, say that he should die too, that he should die too. And uh-huh. it's a threat to God's presence and God's ability to maintain control because the Is prophet he- at that time was the only person in power at that time. So the, uh-huh. the, the men were threatening to, to, to kill and wishing death on uh-huh. the, the, so, the lone governmental authority. So God got upset because they were making fun of his guy. And so he sent bears nope, to punish God, them. God's, God's, not, God's not trying to grow a, a lawless people. He's trying to grow a, a nation that has Obedient laws and has civilization. Servants. Yeah, he wants followers. Nope. Community. He wants a community. And that's, and, that's, and that's what he did in Israel. Well, I mean, it's a community that's very strict. If you do anything that he doesn't like, he'll kill you or your kids. Um, that's 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 not the community I want to join. I'm not I'm not fond of that. I don't think that's a very loving thing. I don't think that's a standard of good, but that's okay. We're all at different planes here. This has been fun. We're at the end. I would like you to go ahead and uh, any last words and then plug your stuff here and then we'll close her out. Great, great, great. Um, I, I would, I would like to, um, I would like to 
read a couple of couple of couple of sentences if that's if yeah, that's okay with you. Absolutely, I, I, I've looked this up. So I, I've really enjoyed watching some of your podcasts as as uh, I've come acclimated with your work, Michael and I. Thanks. I really see your your desire to find truth, and mm. I think that's that's probably where I think we can agree. We we can agree that we're both looking for truth, right? <laughs> and, and we're we're heading we're heading to two different directions. But I think I think it's admirable. Um, the way that you're putting yourself out there and that you're looking for truth and you're, and you're, and you're interested in having these sorts of difficult conversations, hmm. difficult for the, you know, you're, you're very, very rough on me, very hard on me, <laughs> but, but, but also it's, I know it's, I know it's, a, it's, it's a strain on you and you probably have more valuable things to do. And it's, it's really a service to what you're doing. So um, I just want to thank you for, for being, uh, you know, being kind to me and being truthful with me Absolutely. and, and seeking the truth on, I mean, just, it's just really a beautiful thing. So um, appreciate that. So as I, as I was as I was watching uh, a couple of the of the podcasts again again I really really enjoyed you had one with an African American lady last week yes um, I forgot Joy, Joyce maybe I think Jocelyn and, I think it was yeah 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 that yeah. was that was just that was just really fi- fantastic Michael I really enjoyed that I thought that was that was a really insightful uh, conversation from, from both of your perspectives yeah she I was. really enjoyed her yeah. She, she was. And, you know, guys, guys like me, you're like, you know, this, this idiot's just been reading a bunch of books. And, <laughs> no, you're great and, too. Uh, no, you're great too. Don't, and, and, <laughs> don't take but, that wrong. <laughs> but, 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 but like, but like for her, it was, it was like, she's got like old school experience. Like she knows her stuff. I think she was like a psychologist or something. She'd been mm. working with real people in the real world, which was, which was very, very, very helpful. Mm. Um, but there was, I think there, I think it was in that interview, there was a, there was a comment about why God doesn't just reveal himself. Like, like, mm. let's, let's just put it into all the games. Let's just yeah. have God reveal himself. And, mm. and I was going back and I was thinking about that. And I, I remember this passage that I read in Lewis. Mm. Um, it's in the mere Christianity book. And I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to just read a couple sentences out of it real quick. Right. Just, yeah. to, um, just to, just to address this. Cause he does it much better than I am. I can. Um, and so the question is, he says, like, people ask, like, why doesn't God just reveal himself and prove that he exists? It, and he says that God will invade. But he says, but I wonder whether people who ask God to interfere openly and directly in our world quite realize what it will be like when he does. When that happens, it's the end of the world. When the author walks on the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade all right. But what is the good of saying that you're on his side then when you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else, something that never entered your head to conceive comes crashing in. Something so beautiful to some of us and so terrible to others that none of us will have any choice left. For this time, it will be God without disguise, something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose our sides. There is no use saying that you choose to lie down when it has become impossible to stand up. That will not be the time for choosing. I thought, I thought that mm. was like whether you're an atheist or a Christian, that's really beautiful writing. Like that's mm. that's that's it. It's it's beautiful from an artistic standpoint. I see the opposite. How you, how you read it. I see the opposite. Every knee shall bow. He's going to force me to obey. He's going to force me to love. He's going to force me to do these things. I don't see that as a good thing. I don't see that as a good thing. It's too late. God's wrath is upon you. He's revealed everything. Well, why don't you just reveal of everything now? You want to have a relationship with me so bad. Reveal yourself. I was a Christian, man. I, I was a Christian for so long. I asked all kinds of revealing anything. Nothing. There's Bible verses that tell you all you have to do is ask. And God will reveal yeah, you so- unknowable things. 
Well, I'm yeah, going to so, call bullshit on that because it didn't yeah. happen. So, so when we started the conversation, I mentioned I mentioned that I'm a Christian, but I'm a very good Christian. But I'm, I'm a really good church builder. And so I, <laughs> I, I would I would submit to you that most people who think that they were Christians were never Christians. I, I think Romans 8, oh, 28 through 32 well, tell yeah. us a little bit. That we I thought Christians. I was. We, we said we were Christians. Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's fair. That's and all I think that matters. A lot of times, people in our churches of you know say bad things. The churches are full of hypocrites. So I think you'd agree with that. And <laughs> and so and so and so I think making sure that we I don't I don't consider them Christians. Mm-hmm. I don't consider m- many people that are in, that are in churches Christians. I, I consider them churchgoers. And so mm-hmm. and, and myself, I'm I'm, a, I'm the biggest hypocrite possible because I, I I can't I can't live perfectly. But I but I know someone who who did live perfectly. And, Ooh. and, um, Oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 you know, the guy that so, got hangry and cursed a tree. That guy, the guy that's going to send his angel yeah, on back to throw everybody guy, in hell. The guy, that guy, the guy who the father came down and realized that, Hey, Rick, even if you die, you couldn't die the perfect death because you'd have the wrong intention. And you lived a Why simple would you life, have to? but, but, but supposing, <laughs> but supposing God became a man, yeah. Michael, supposing God became a man, his nature was amalgamated with our nature. He could suffer and die because he was a man, but he could do it uh-huh. perfectly because he was God. Then that person <laughs> could help us. And that's, and that's the message of the, of, the, of the atonement. And logically, philosophically, religiously, ethically, morally, and beautifically, within the story of the beautiful, the most beautiful possible story you could tell, that all lines up and you find all that in the cross. But Rick. you can't, but, but you, can never, you can never understand it until you read it knowing that you need it. I interesting. I don't need it. God can forgive me without killing himself. Um would you choose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty? Is this something you would do? To slaughter the innocent to kill the, to forgive, to the, forgive guilty. the guilty? Yeah, would you choose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty? You mean you mean like how the United States dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, killed two hundred fifty thousand people when the land invasion was going to cost two and a half million civilian deaths? That that kind of that no, kind of slaughtered the innocent. One hundred percent. We are not all powerful beings, and if that was God, He could find a different way to do it. So, would you personally I, slaughter the innocent right. to forgive you, you the mean, guilty? If we were if we were inventing gods, He could find a different way to do that. I, if we're if we're inventing guys that did not want to tell the most beautiful story possible, did God again, forgive again, sin without without death? Has God forgiven sin without death? Without without someone's death or something's death? Is that is that without the something dying? Can God forgive without something dying? Um, I the church fathers have said that that he can. He can't. Yeah, there's, not, there's spots in the Bible like, where he does like, it. Like, oh, so, so if he can, if he can't, doesn't prove the existence of God. No, it doesn't. I'm not. I we're was, not worried about that. Yeah, anymore. We're so just worried about I, I is this so, a good so, thing, and is this a good the, thing within, to slaughter the innocent to forgive within the, the definition of God? Within the definition of God, he can do everything he wants. Now, have I seen yeah. him do that? Have I seen him forgive without without blood yeah. somewhere? Without without life being poured out. Isaiah 6, 6, for instance, Isaiah 6, 6, he he tones Isaiah's sin with a hot coal. Uh, Yahweh forgives David in 2 Samuel 12, 13. He just forgives him. He kills his kid, but then he he forgives David. Um, Sin can be forgiven through prayer, James 5, uh, 14. And then Jesus forgives a paralyzed man in Matthew 9, Luke 5, uh, Mark 2. Uh, Jesus forgives a woman who won't stop kissing his feet in Luke 7. So these are, he is able to do it. God chooses to kill the innocent 
in order to forgive the guilty, which is something me and you see as not a good thing. It's not a logical thing, right? Well, if we're God, I'm not God. I, we're I mean, not God. Okay, okay. I, I would, I would be happy. It's going to take me an hour to answer that question. Yeah, we're, we're and good, we don't, right? you don't, yes. you know, I don't have time to do that. So, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, so let, let me, let me give you the. I've got about seven or eight different, different reasons why, yeah. why that may be, maybe something that you said. Let me, let me give you the shortest in like two sentences. Okay. Um, it, it comes, it comes from something that. Uh, again, this is a, this is a question that Origen dealt with in like 186 uh, AD, um, <laughs> it, it, and, and so it's 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 basically divine divine command theory that if if a good God commands something, it must be good. That it, it must be something good. And this is something actually Plato dealt with 350 years before that, or I guess 500 years before that. Um, that that the command of a divinely good God must by necessity be good somehow, um, and. Mm-hmm. And so that that would be the shortest term. But again, I I need an hour to to, to get through all the other, all the other. We could do a part two. Yeah. That's for sure. We'll leave that as a cliffhanger for part two. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do the next one in Vegas. There the you go. Vegas. <laughs> we'll make it a live event. All right, I'm writing that down. It'll be a live hey. event, not in a casino because Rick is not allowed in a casino. <laughs> hey, so so Michael, I want to I want to tell you like yeah, so so like I'm in I'm in Houston and yeah. my friends and I have a favorite website. I, I forgot what it is now, but we used to always like find excuses to go to Vegas. And there was like some website that listed all the conventions and all the trade shows in Vegas. And we would like I'm a real estate guy, and oh, wow. I would find something like like on technology, like some sort of <laughs> like esoteric technology, like like you know coding something like that. Babe, I've got to go to Vegas for work. Like there's a conference from my work. I've got to go. And that website, I, I think I heard one time that website is like one of the most trafficked websites in America. Oh wow. Because everyone's just looking for an excuse to go to Vegas. To go so to Vegas. We'll there. Yeah. Love it. All right, Rick. Where can we find your stuff before we close out? Where can we find you? So handles Rick Walker Text. Uh, I have a I have a YouTube channel. We do again a bunch of different things. We have some political interviews with congressmen, senators, uh, people that were uh, on the president's uh, cabinet. Um, and then Twitter, I like to hang out on Twitter, uh, Facebook. And uh, so I'm, I'm around just Rick, Rick Walker TX. Gotcha. Awesome, Rick. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there. We'll keep in touch. It's fun, Mike. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What YouTube and Facebook pages. You can also find clips of the show on TikTok under BSW the Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the Podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will get you early access to each episode by at least three days, stickers, shirts, and shoutouts. That's patreon.com forward slash BSW the Podcast. For the latest events, BSW swag, including signed copies of The Bible Says What the Book, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them?
the next exciting episode of The Bible Says What? This happens. So, and that's where it goes to, is what... why you? Why you and not the lady who needed to hear from her mom? Why does her mom have to go through you to get that message? Why can't she just talk to her? It seems well, like people are doing all the work. That's what it seems like. Just, just like any other, you know, religion I'm hearing. You know, the people do all the work. The God just gets all the credit. The, 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 the entities, the deities, wow, the whatever they are. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good question. Um, I will tell you though that there are okay when you listen to the radio or watch TV. Um, that news isn't just pouring into your head. Somebody's reading it to you. Okay. That's what I am. I'm a medium. I am a medium. I'm a telephone. I'm a television. I'm a radio. I happen to be able to tune to the channel for you. I'm able to can people, connect. Can people I'm not able read to books? Vibrate. I mean, at that, they can read books. They, 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 why need the television? Why do we need a medium? It it seems like a point. Sorry, no no offense, but it seems like a pointless okay thing. I mean, they are capable. They're these these beings that are able to communicate with you. Why can't they communicate with the loved ones that they are trying to reach? There you go. Now that that's the question because I'm the telephone. Their living loved ones are not the telephone. Why? I'm the telephone. Why? Why it's is that my, needed? That's my point. It's one of my gifts, and it's what I was destined to do. To come Who gave you that gift? With their late loved ones. I chose it. 